And we're back with the Creative Club podcast. Thanks for jumping into another episode. You're here with John Marsh. If you're a coach or creative business owner on this show, we teach you the key skills to attract dream clients in your business, learn to love your sales process and grow your business with confidence. Hope you like that slightly longer intro music we had today. Something a little special for you there. Today on the show, we've got a really cool conversation with Hugo Kranswick, who is the founder, the creator behind Valkyrie Gym in Newcastle. And this was really cool. We learned a lot about Hugo's backstory, how he got into training people, how he got into owning the gym. And then I think most importantly, uh, this concept of world building. So how he's brought his values, his passions into his gym. Hugo's in a band, uh, you know, he's brought he's basically built the gym that he loves and the culture that he really loves. And this allows him to show up powerfully, really help people with their strength uh, and health journeys as well. But it also gives a special vibe. And so we dive deep into that and kind of ask how he came about that because that's not something that's super easy for everyone, you know, bringing your personality into your business and making something unique. So let's jump into the show. This is John Marsh here on the Creative Club Podcast. And today we're talking with Hugo Kranswick from Valkyrie Gym. I've been running it for five and a half years now. Uh, and so before that, I was running my own personal training business for about six years previous. Um, Where out of? Out of everywhere. Okay. You know, it was kind of, it started, it started, my first job in the industry was working at a fitness first. And I was like cleaning toilets and picking up weights. Um, you know, that was when I was about 18. So really the industry is pretty much the only job I've really had. Previous to that, I worked at um, as a carny for a bit and Hungry Jacks and KFC. Kind of those really, can we swear? Yeah. Yeah, it was really shit jobs, right? <laughs> Just to get, to get some like, um, it was good though, so you get some context for what you know some uh some baselines of what you don't want hard work yeah yeah absolutely and not yeah. good pay and, and all that stuff um so I was, yeah i was working at fitness first for a while and got to a point where uh, i'd finished my cert four which is like the bare minimum i needed to kind of start working as a independent subcontractor through fitness first were you training yourself at the time? Like was fitness something you were into? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I've always resonated with. It made a lot of sense to me. You know, I think as a kid and at school, those sort of structures never clicked. So I wasn't really performing very well. Um, my parents would always kind of push me to those sort of things. They had expectations, but it just didn't work for me. But every time I was doing something physical, playing sport, um, moving around with people as well in a community, I kind mm -hmm. of felt that was... It kind of makes sense for the first time in a while. So, you know, I was, I was going through the, the weights and plates sort of um, kind of routine that everyone goes through. We start doing buys and tries and that sort of thing with the mates. We yeah. go to Planet Fitness at 11 o'clock after I finish a KFC. We train for a couple of hours and then go get Maccas after. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then, you know, I'd wake up late for school, bludge the rest of school and in between that period, I was just kind of planning my next workout. And that was kind of the cycle of day to day from, you know, uh, 16 to when I was like 18. So yeah, I was training, I was training quite a bit. Then what happened, um, what happened from the, the flip from PT, were you getting busy as a PT and going, Oh, I could do something on my own or like, what was the, or it just wasn't fitting? What was like the, the starting, well, yeah. the beginning spark of like you're d doing your own thing? So when I was working at Fitness First, it got to a point was doing pretty good. You know, I was 18. I was living with my mum and dad still. I was earning a grand a week with no responsibilities, obligations. Yeah. Working 20 hours a week. And um, I devised a way to kind of generate leads in a way that was pretty sustainable and very quick turnaround too. So I was pretty happy there. How were like, you doing that? So what I did is I, um, I made friends with the girls downstairs at reception mm -hmm. and then I asked them to print me off a list of people that train two or less times per week. And that was the whole database of like a thousand members at Fitness First where we had access to. 
So I got that list and I would just go down this list and call people. I'd say, hey, it's Hugo from this first, one of the personal trainers and some of the staff, part of the staff here. Um, just a quick courtesy call, notice I've been training very long. Um, do you mind, have you, have you got five minutes to answer a few questions? And sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. Mostly they say yes though. And I ask them, you know, you know, what's your favorite time to train? What are your goals? Uh, when do you train? Um, how many times a week do you train? All this information. And at the end, I kind of close with, you know, thanks for the call. We'd like to offer you two personal training sessions just for kind of speaking to me. I see like Tuesday afternoons at 4.30 or good time. I've actually got a spot then. Do you want to come in next week? And then I do that for about half an hour. I pick up six leads. So the next week would be booked out with potential leads I can convert yeah. into sales like that. So, yeah. so that was setting up the assessment or the yeah. free session, which was your actual way to build trust and then... And yeah, so you need to go through a brief assessment and build some rapport. And then that second session would be like the wow. You know, they kind of bring all the value to the session and be like, this is amazing. You know, And there's people that are struggling with those things anyway. Yeah. They've had these high hopes of joining fitness first. And then obviously not being supported by that sort of gym, that mm. kind of box gym environment is not very good for mm. most people. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I was able to kind of capitalize on that. I actually got to like, me and my friend were number one in Australia, Fitness First, in regards to PT sales for a brief moment, which was pretty cool. Yeah, so when you, when you did the survey call, you were positioning as Fitness First mm. and then you were offering the offer off the back end was something you made up yeah and so it wasn't it wasn't thrown through fitness first you, no. you did it but yeah i like it yeah it was it, was, it, was, it worked really well because yeah. you know these these books that i get from reception were like stacks and stacks long yeah because you know you know they used to be called finance first oh yeah thousands yeah yeah thousands so many people years. in yeah. the system that are not attending and my uh pt manager time didn't really mind because we were facilitating these people coming in more they're less likely to cancel this sort of thing. So that was all good on their end. Um, but yeah, I did that for a while. But like one day we walked in the fitness first, had a group meeting and we had 28 days to find a new job. Why? Because they said we, fitness first essentially said we don't have enough resources to put to the regional place in New South Wales. We're going to throw into Bond Street, George Street, Bondi, that sort of thing. So they closed it? Closed it down. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's not good. This was Newcastle. This is Newcastle. This is where Katara was. So it's gone. Yeah. yeah, if you can remember where that place was. I think it's like a sewing place now. Yeah. So then what what happened next? What happened next? I went and found another gym and took my client base there. Um, same issues, you know. Uh, we weren't getting looked after. Um, there wasn't support. There wasn't that community. It was such, such a disconnect even at this new place I was at from reception to the group instructors to the PTs to the members. They're all kind of in these like, separate sort of things. So it was really hard to one kind of... When I was in my sessions, it was quite enjoyable. I'm working with people and that's kind of my element. But outside of that, there's no connection to each other. And it's mm. just so distant. Mm. And, and Transactional. Yeah, transactional. And yeah. there's kind of, you know, the management side of things because the, the place I was working is this balance. You know, they're associated with Wes and they're not making most of their money from memberships. Mm. So their priorities are elsewhere. It's all in the pokies and that sort of thing. Yeah. So there's, there's problems there as well. Yeah. Were you into kettlebells at that point? Yeah, so um, Nathan Zajac was my old boss at Fitness First, introduced me to them. And some of the other PTs were pretty cluey and kind of kind of introduced me in a way that was playful. And I used them with my clients a lot because they're quite versatile. And for, for now, I can understand why we use them more often. Um, but they were like a, a nice way to introduce people to strength training and mm. weight training that was wasn't intimidating for people mm. it felt doable felt like accessible and they could actually get some really like strong results from that as well yeah that's the only way that i've really learned to use them mm. like when we owned a gym we used kettlebells a lot but it was always like okay here's a front squat progression or yeah is you know here's a swing maybe up to like a snatch mm. but then there was like the whole world of like actual kettlebell training yeah which is a different thing which is a totally right? different thing altogether yeah, but they, like if you're starting out you can't really have anything better no even at home than yeah. a couple of good kettlebells right yeah it's kind of like that old ad you know yeah you got a door you got a gym yeah it's similar sort of thing Do some um like some goblets and some some yeah. split squats and stuff like that Do yeah you know, sumos presses you know you've got it all really yeah. 
Um, so what happened after that? How did it sort of evolve? Yeah, I got, got to the point. I was pretty sick of the whole system. You know, you kind of look five, ten years. Am I still going to be working as a PT at this big corporate gym? And I was like, no. Um, so I took everyone. I um, ended my contract, took them to a park, um, bought some kettlebells. And we did, did kettlebell training down there at a park for some time, mm-hmm. six, six months to a year. Um, and then... But what I found was I didn't have the systems in place to maintain the lead generation I was getting at these these gyms, so my business started kind of tanking a little bit. Mm. You know, my clients are quite loyal, and they're still some of them still with me today, from when I was eighteen to now. Wow! So like ten years, they're pretty pretty good. Um, but yeah, I just kind of felt like all right, I got to do something about this. Um, so my partner at the time, um, her hairdresser was right next to the the gym and the location we are now. So I was up for lease, and I thought it was a terrible idea. Like this, this is not going to work. Why am I going to, but essentially I doubled down, got a loan, got the lease out, started this place up, had no idea what I was doing, what I was getting myself into. Mm. And then, you know, over time we've been able to figure out what the mission is, what the purpose is behind the gym and, and where our strengths are, where, where we fit into the, like the fitness industry. And then it's kind of where we are now. Yeah. And um, so what year was that? That was when... That, 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 was, was, two, that, was, two, that was 2017. It was called Valkyrie Functional Training. That's what okay. we're running through. Yeah. And then... So it was just you? you it was, were yeah, it was just me. We were kind of running small group classes of four people. Yeah. The max four people. We kind of run that sort of system a handful of times a day. Yeah. And that was like my client base, about 20 people. Um, we got the website up, started... I think they were kind of one of the only kind of boutique gyms in Mayfield at that time around that area. So there's a lot of people that are, because we nowadays still, we still get people moving from Sydney to the Mayfield and buying up that market and they want to meet new people. They want to get strong, this sort of thing. So we had a few people just kind of walk through the door at that time. And when we started getting momentum, yeah, that's when we kind of felt we had to make changes and kind of go with the flow a bit more. Yeah. So talk to us about, Valkyrie's pretty different. Yeah. Right. To most gyms. I mean, from the outside, mm. I'm talking surface level. I can yep. see people are strong. I can mm. see the elements of like of a inverted commas gym, obviously. Yep. yep, yep. But there's definitely your thread going through there. I know you're into music. There's mm. a you know, we were talking about motorcycles before. There's a thread of your um style, your passions, mm. what you value in life, mm. the community, it's all coming through, which I love. Mm. Talk to us about how that came about. Was this something that you were clear on at the beginning on who you were for, what the gym was about, or has Valkyrie evolved over time? Just talk about like the gym and how it came to be the current. Yeah, so when we first started, it was very like, um, it's clean, 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 straight lines. Okay. It, you know, you can tell by the logo that we had. Um, you know, it got professionally done and it was Valkyrie functional training and we kind of wanted the we wanted to pretend that we were a professional gym, you know. So we got all the stuff done, and uh, you know, I, I got. Did you wear polo shirts and like? No, I got rid of the polo shirts, but I had a uniform. Yeah, I had this weird little uniform. It was this Under Armour like grey shirt, and which I've ditched since then. Um, but yeah, we wanted to come across as that, and that kind of graded against me. So I had kind of gave like personally, I went through. I thought about this a little bit. I haven't thought of it for a while, but. Um, when I first was into it, you know, my lifestyle was very separate to how I was professionally mm-hmm. in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were certain values I was trying to uphold as a coach that I wouldn't outside the gym. Mm-hmm. And it was just things like, you know, who I was, I was hanging out with, um, what I do on the weekends, these sort of things. Um, and I kind of had this like conflict when I was trying to figure out how to manage these two things. So you put on your gym floor coach hat, yeah, and then you get home and you'd like switch on different yeah, music, switch on, or something. yeah, something like that, exactly, yeah. And that you know that was challenging to deal with, and obviously unsustainable. Um, I have a really hard time doing things I don't want to do, um, and you know I've learned that f- quite early on at school. If I didn't want to do it, I'm not doing it. If I'm not interested, I'm not doing it. And the things that I am passionate about, thousand billion percent, mm. and you just dive in, right? Mm. So then at some point, I don't know, a couple of years in, I decided like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. 
was going to be me and just kind of let that flesh out. And you're kind of seeing that in the culture. You know, I, I, you know, we play quite heavy music. Sometimes it's abrasive to other people. Um, we've converted a lot of people to enjoying it because it's great. Um, just the kind of uh, the language we use, the, the logos, the branding, that sort of thing is kind of what I like. Um, and we just found that uh, people that also like it gravitate towards. So you, if you're kind of finding the messaging and the branding and that sort of thing, if it's appealing to you, then we're probably going to be friends if we caught up at the party, mm. that sort of thing. Mm. And these are the people that I, I want to work with because I enjoy it because I reckon like 80% of my friends are members, mm. you know, they're close friends too. We'll catch up on the weekend and, and, and hang out and that sort of thing, go for beers, go to the pub quite often. You can't do that just by halves, can you? No. You have to be... You have you have to double down on your interests or passions. Like you couldn't say I've had a clean cut and then played a little bit of heavy music. Yeah, you've got to do the whole thing, or else yeah. the people who are pure into that side would look mm. at it and like, ah, oh, this isn't legitimate. Mm. Did, did you find that like you had to really keep you keep get, going? You, you got to stick to your guns. Yeah. yeah, you really got to stick to your guns with that sort of thing. And and the people that didn't necessarily like this plenty of people that probably don't go home and listen to what i listen to or you know live my lifestyle or ride motorbikes and that sort of thing but and this is how i feel about when i see that in other businesses and i see that in other creative pursuits when they're kind of living their life and how it's really authentic Mm. you can respect that and you can go you you do that that's amazing you know it's inspiring as well so i think the people that are kind of like just hey it's not all my vibe it's not exactly spot on to where i am but there's a lot of they can kind of go what's it's it's what it is you know Mm. it's real Mm. and it's and especially in an industry that's not real you know it's very commercialized or it's trying to be something else or Mm. social media and all all this sort of stuff you can when it kind of cuts through a lot more um and it's not really any extra effort just kind of stick to your guns and go for it yeah it's it's very true you know as we were saying before the podcast i'm reading one of gene simmons books I'm not really a Kiss fan. Like mm. I don't listen to the music, but with, within three pages of reading the book, you listen to this guy telling a story, and he's like, "Here's someone who's all in on himself." Yeah, and uh, you know, he, there was a line at the beginning. It was like, "You may be thinking, like, who's this guy? Who? What's right? Does a musician have to write a book?" Exactly. Yeah. He says, "Keep reading," and then full stop. And he's just like. He doesn't. He doesn't make any apologies, yeah. and so as a non-fan, I'm still a. I'm still into it. I'm mm. still buying it, and mm. it would be the same at the gym. Like I wouldn't need to have that music. I'd still show up because you can mm. see the quality of the work as well. Mm. Like that's important. Yeah. But yeah, you do respect people when they are living into their mm. stuff, even if you don't mm. vibe with it exactly. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, it's massive and something that's been really crucial to our success. I think because we all wish that we could be more like that person. I think so. I think so. Because, you know, there's people I look up to as well. I forget the guy's name, but he's um, he's this goofy guy. I literally found him yesterday. He's a goofy guy. He's got this hat and he's interviewing Kendrick Lamar and these sort of people. You might know of him. I don't. I only just come yesterday. He's, and then I saw a clipper from 1988, so like almost 40 years ago. Oh, yeah, I know this guy. Yeah, he's the same person. Yeah. He's the same quirky, weird. And like if I saw him... He's like, interviewed lots of greats. So many people and he's been doing this thing and it's the same person. And the interview is about what his parents want to do and he's saying like, they want me to be an engineer, um, but I'll try to be an engineer, but I don't think it's going to happen. Fast forward 40 years, he's inter- interviewing uh, Turnstile, one of my favorite bands. You know, I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's really inspiring to see like, you don't have to fit into any particular cast. And he's really well respected. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen this guy. You know, all this goofy stuff. He's People really listening like, will know his name. They'll be, they'll be frustrated that we can't remember it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to go crazy. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So how has that shaped what you guys do today? Like when you walk in, what's Valkyrie like? Who, who shows up? What kind of work do you do? Um, what kind of training is it? I guess like when I walk on the gym floor, that's that. You put on that gym owner's cap, like we're here to do the work and we want to present the quality that we're known for. But at the same time you go, but you can't, you know, go against the grain with who you are. 
So that comes through how we communicate, what the sessions are like, um, how, we, how we communicate as coaches as well. And it's a particular flavor that people kind of really resonate with. Um, it also allows us to cut through a lot of the bullshit when we're introducing people to new things or we're trying to... Because um, what, what Valkyrie is now is a place where you can access strength training in a really accessible way um, that may have been... There may have been a lot of barriers for you to enter it before. So whether it be... Um, kind of some personal things like how you feel about yourself walking to a commercial gym and um or some expectations putting you from other trainers and all this sort of stuff it's kind of very messy when you kind of hear so many narratives and so mm. many stories from mm. people mm. and i keep seeing the same things like you know i told us this and i'm now fearful to move my body um you know or i'm not an athlete or i've never done this before so i don't shouldn't do it mm. but when we so we teach strength as a skill and just like learning French, you can learn how to speak French. Anybody can, you know. So when I say, hey, you know, strength, you know, it's not a quality you're born with or without. It's something you can learn how to do. They go, oh, really? That's really cool. I'd love to learn. And we're going to support you with our community, which are people that resonate with this authentic sort of, they can be themselves. And you can also be yourself here. Um, and you can also get really strong. And we've done this time and time and again. So our classes are kind of have that sort of brush stroke, um, if you will. So I'm picking up the vibe that when you said it allows you to cut through the crap, like when you're coaching people, uh, I'm picking up a vibe that it's supportive, but it's not like, um, what's the word? Not like the hand-holding motivational side of the yeah. coaching i mean there, there is an element of that but i think it's kind of it's not something you do intentionally it's like yeah yeah i mean but not like the like the personal trainer next to the treadmill is like good job like yeah you can do it yeah all this stuff yeah. it's like you know here's what we're doing and i think you can do it today um yeah. no that rep wasn't very good and there's people i'm more comfortable with i'm like that sucked and i'm like but they know like they know me and they know who i am and what i'm about and what we do it's not i'm not saying that to, to put you down I'm saying that because I know you can do better. Mm. Um, and if there's a reason why not, talk to me. Like, let me in your world. What's going on with you? How can I help? Mm. I'm there as like trying to be as supportive as possible. And it means that we can get better results quicker because we're mm. not having to dance around, do this dance with people. You know, that kind of, you, you know, I kind of want to talk about that personal trainer. Yeah, you've, cre yeah, you've created a context that you can coach effectively mm. And they understand that coaching isn't criticism because mm. it can feel that way yeah. if you're trying to help see you know a different way of doing something mm. and feel it can feel uh like it's an attack like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh, i thought i was doing it right yeah yeah cool okay yeah so you guys doing i've I've loved you know the names of uh i think the one right now is called death squad death squad yeah yeah All so you do squad. like different eight week cycles or 12 or like blocks of certain types of training do you want to talk about what? like the specifics of kind of the programming and that sort of yeah thing. or just like what what the training looks like a lot of people listening to this there's a lot of you know mm. a, a lot of gym people and yeah. so people that i talk to so sure people would be interested into it um in it but yeah like what the train looks like what you do with kettlebells what mm. uh how how you make people stronger or help them get stronger i'll try and speak this in a way that's not too confusing and i'll if i ramble then uh, just pull me out but essentially we run uh training blocks of four to eight weeks our training is generally quite minimalistic so we're selecting exercise selection is like anywhere from two to four exercises within that eight week block okay so okay. I've, I've trained for eight weeks and i'll you, work on so currently what we're doing we've just yeah. started a new block um uh we're doing a clean and press ladder so double bell camp clean and press so that's one and a half skills two skills essentially and then we're doing a, a pull-up progression so again, people that are, because we just come out of our comp um, and one of the main lifts for the comp was a pull-up. Mm -hmm. So some people have made some really good headway, but I haven't cracked into that first pull-up yet. When I mean pull-up, I mean like a strict, pure strength pull-up. Mm -hmm. Some people are making great you know, leaps and bounds. So we're loading it now. Mm -hmm. um, and I just know how valuable loaded pull-ups mm -hmm. can be personally and people around the world, you know, people can testify that it's one of those highest bang for buck exercises you can get. So we, we know these exercises. 
we trust them. We trust them to get results and we trust them to provide the, like to hit the goals that people are looking for, like getting stronger, moving better, even looking better as well. So with these things though, and you would know once you're in the gym, getting someone to their first chin up mm. takes time. It's a monumental, yeah. It's yeah. A, it is very clunky yeah. and it can feel really subjective and you're not really making progress. But one day you go to do it, get your chin above the bar and then you're set, then you got reps. Yeah. So over the next eight weeks, we're focusing on those two lifts. So increase accumulating volume with the press. Yeah. So you probably won't fit into your show after this program in a good way. Um, and building strength with the pull-up. Alongside of that, we're doing some maintenance stuff. So we're doing some, I think uh, one of our, you know, Cody, mm-hmm. he was running a pistol practice. Mm-hmm. So pistol, pistol squat. Pistols. Yeah, so pistol squats, I mean, if you're from a CrossFit background, I kind of like really hapdash and you can just do them. Yeah. But for me, it's not so much achieving the pistol. It's about the skills and the dedication required to getting a pistol, so the mobility yeah. work yeah. and the strength required to get out of it. That's more beneficial and more um, can translate to other different things. So it's like we we can focus on that, just like in the same way you would practice the splits. Many athletes don't need to have that range of motion, but working on those like hip flexor, glutes, all this sort of stuff is going to be good for you yeah. and allow you to get into a better overhead position. A lot of the things you do, let you run faster, essentially. Everyone work about right. So yeah, we're working through those three main lifts over a period of eight weeks. Um, you know, there's a, there's a quote from Pavel and he, and, he, and he says, you know, at the gym, my job is not to entertain you, it's to make you stronger. Mm. So I'm not too concerned if people find it a bit boring and find it a bit monotonous, a bit repetitive. Um, but we do it in a way that kind of educates people and they get a bit nerdy about it. So they're really getting stuck into the, this rhythm of just doing the same thing over again and those little minute differences and really getting to experience their bodies in different ways. And we can communicate to them now, like, how good does that feel? How did that rep feel? And they've got context. These are like teachers and nurses and that sort of thing have context. Oh, yeah, that one felt really good. Got me more tension in that one, that sort of thing. Yeah. So there's really specific stuff we're kind of targeting now because we've allowed for a lot of space. For time, it. yeah. It's time and space, yeah. So I can s- sense that p- some people might have questions like, do you get injured doing the same movements? Like that kind of thing? Like do you? how do you break it up and how do you um go across the week i suppose for that movement so in this i'll just use this this program because it's one on top of my head um so three days a week monday wednesday friday we're training that that workout uh-huh. we're start, starting at a sub maximal load so it's something people can complete feeling great after go home go to sleep sort of thing yeah as we build this through we're going to accumulate reps so we're adding repetitions and volume over a period of time um, to the end so at the end when we retest and check out that press and pull they should they should be able to pump out a lot more volume yeah in regards to injuries we don't really experience that much because of the culture that we kind of provide um i think i think it's called fatigue culture is quite common and that's like the harder i go the better results i get mm. or the more i attend the better results i get um so that if a if a trainer is kind of subjected to practicing like that mm. then i'm going to start shouting at you when you want to give up or when you're at failure point or your movements start to go to crap mm. that's kind of what this we kind of we kind of operate in a red yellow green uh green yellow red light system green everything's feeling good like subjectively my body's moving well the lifts are relatively good speed mm. to what they're what we're used to the technique is on point mm. it looks good looks well. good yeah. looks good looks impressive yeah right looks looks not easy but smooth the control yeah it comfortably yeah. hard right yeah. comfortably hard so that's at like that six to eight out of ten yeah and a lot of our training isn't there you know i'm not really interested in like how, practice yeah, yeah yeah i'm not really interested in how badly how many bad reps you can get or something yes yeah. it's just not it's not valuable to you to progress yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not valuable to me as a coach yeah okay so when we get to yellow, let's say um, you come and do some swings with us, you get halfway through a block of training and they're slowing down, it's really labored, you're out of breath, okay, you're kind of starting to see that, that's pedal off the gas, you're going to have next minute off. I'm like, no, I can keep going here. I'm like, I know you can keep going. It's mm. not, we're not arguing that, mm. but it looks like trash, so yeah, we're going to stop this, okay? Or we're done for the day, yeah. you know? Red light is how it sounds, it's... 
that's your injury yeah that's your pain discomfort these sort of things yeah so to be sustainable because like when people are training you know it's not for the next eight weeks or next year like i want to be training for as long as possible Mm. so with that in mind this kind of macro scale we can go hey i missed my workout today that's okay that's fine as long as we kind of get consistency over a period of time yeah that's going to yield the results that you want yeah and because they come and see us for long-term goals like getting strong it's explained when we kind of go the onboarding process. This takes time. Yeah. You know, those sort of things that you talk about, like repelling. This takes time. It's going to be boring. Yeah. You know, we're going to do the same things over again. Yeah. But if you want that, and you can kind of put it on the pedestal, you've got to kind of go through that. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. I remember switching that mindset. Uh, when we owned the gym at some point, I remember taking the, the record board thing that we had down. And I was like, all right, I've got to think about this stuff like, for the next 40 years because mm. my dad's 36 years older mm. and he was training still training he still is training hard at 73 or whatever yeah and i was like okay i'm thinking about this wrong i've got to think on 40 year cycles mm. and then it changes everything and so mm. it's like what you said like if you're doing a movement and your face was kind of contorted and it didn't feel right it's like well you didn't really do the movement properly like you, you know yeah and there's a time and a place but Absolutely. It definitely gave a different perspective. Mm. And I remember straight away, like just stopped having to go in for injuries. Like nothing, mm. like the bad stuff just wasn't happening anymore. Yeah. Those things are more manageable. Yeah. And as you build the capacity, as you do get stronger, like that kind of, I use that analogy of um, a bucket, you know, the water's rising if things are getting too much and it yeah. overflows. But like the stronger you get, the bigger bucket so you can handle more crap. Yeah if you messy lift stuff, they're not as ugly, that sort of thing. And that being said, like not everything has to be technically perfect mm. for you to achieve, you know, the correlation between good technique and uh, avoiding injury isn't there. The science shows it's the evidence is not there. Yeah. Um, but we do know that when people push the red line, there's a strain element that kind of comes in. Yeah. And yeah. especially people that aren't used to, you know, I, I can pick up 150 kilos of bent back for reps. It's not, gonna affect me in the way that i would would i get my mum to do that probably not yeah you know um so it's a kind of sliding scale and everything that we kind of do is kind of in that gray area i do have the opinion that anyone that works in absolutes in this industry probably shouldn't be mm. you know because you, know, you should always do this or you shouldn't do that these sort of languages kind of become barriers for people enjoying meaningful activities and that sort of thing mm. so it's just another way to be inclusive and lower the barriers for people to have the benefits of strength training. I keep hearing like more more things about how important it is for your brain chemistry and this sort of thing and, and for your body and your bones. There's a mountain of evidence why people should be doing this. Mm. So why are we making it so difficult by making everyone do a perfect snatch? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The other thing you touched on before, like, you know, you said if you do the, it's off on a tangent, but you were like, if you do the, the, this workout for the next eight weeks your shoulder sh- your shirt might not fit the same cause mm. you, and like i think that's another thing that gets demonized is like part of the reason i like to train is because it keeps you fit yeah and you you know your body looks all right like you, yeah and that it feels like as that got demonized it sort of had to like be supported by all the scientific reasons to train mm. but also it's like you know what like if you want to train because you like the way that it makes you feel that's super valid super like, valid yeah, yeah just take it and even if it's so-called driven by the ego it mm. doesn't matter like it's healthy that's okay yeah that's yeah. totally okay as yeah. well it's it's everything is okay right yeah because like i'm doing a bodybuilding program at the moment yeah i'm putting on weight you know i have strength goals that require me to be bigger yeah and to move more mass you need the hypertrophy yeah happen. i need to get bigger it's a yeah. bit lean at the moment but i'm liking it it's enjoying i'm looking at myself in the mirror and i go cool yeah this is great you know yeah. Um, and it's just another motivator as well. I think when we get caught up in that's the only reason I'm training. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I'm training to improve my brain chemistry. It's kind of, it's it's um, not as deep. And Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. It's, it's like a, um, I was saying to Ruby once, it's like a fear of coming across as shallow. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I train because like, I like the way it feels and I like the way I look. Yeah, I, oh, I hear this all the time, like deep. when I sit across on people. They're like, oh, I kind of lose one. Like they're kind of really timid about. It. I'm like, great, awesome. That's yeah. that's amazing that you want to kind of lose weight or you want to get bigger. Me too. 
you know yeah. um, plus you get to do all the there's that inverted commas functional stuff like yeah you, yeah you can do stuff in life which is cool yeah and then if you support it by you're also going to be able to lift more weight you're going to live longer you're going to be a high quality of life you're yeah gonna look better like these are all great reasons but mm-hmm. like when we add that kind of mastery element to it because we do like skill-based training with ket- the kettlebells are very like thinking person's tool yeah just like weightlifting is yeah i do find weightlifting to be a higher entry level to get things right i don't really know much about weightlifting to be honest but with kettlebell training at least so there's nuance to it yeah there's nuance you add this level because you'll walk into the gym and you'll see jace he's like 50 something years old he's doing get-ups with 32s and they look amazing he's been with me about five years and a guy that's you know 23 can't do a push-up and he looks at that and he goes wow pretty damn impressive mm. you know so i want to be able to do that so that kind of you kind of go tease people with that sort of thing go yeah yes you can just spend a bit of time with it so that their reasons for coming to the gym is kind of working towards that they go home um they have a shower look in the mirror and they go oh, I look pretty good now too you know there's there's so many elements to yeah great yeah it's yeah. like a what yeah so yes to all of the above yeah like yeah. I, you sign me up like yeah, let's exactly. go yeah yeah um so you you guys do also I know you had a recent event and you do some cool parties and you bring in a little bit more to Valkyrie like you know um, the I'll use the word community but you're getting people together socially putting mm. music on like talk a little bit about you know we call it world building how you're sort of building that all in but maybe talk to us a little bit about how you're doing that and what that looks like to be a part of Valkyrie as the, I guess, community or the family. Yeah, that kind of buzzword community gets thrown around a lot. And if you go to a a boutique gym or a gym like mine, they have one, right? It's, I don't know, but ours feels a bit different and it's probably a bit um, cliche saying that as well. But um, the social element is really important to me. I, I really enjoy the people that I work with and I want to hang out with them. Because I often have the, the best times and the, you know, there's, you know, I remember last Christmas party, we did this and we did that. It was so fun. So I think the main motive for that is so I can enjoy myself. Um, and if you're, if you kind of, your personality slides in with mine, we're going to have a good time. Um, but it's in a, in it's a way that it's really wholesome because we're working together. We're working towards those things we mentioned before, like getting stronger, looking better and, and those sort of things. And when we get together, and like after the VSC, we all went to Jace's house and he kind of lives up the road. It's an awesome house and go around the fire, that sort of thing. He brews, he's got a lot of like a little microbrewery as well. Oh, cool. So it's this cool. is the Turkish get up guy? Yeah, this yeah. is, yeah. And he's, he's Ambo and he, he does lots of things. He's a very impressive human. Um, but getting around and just like sharing stories from the day, um, talking about programming, this sort of thing, it's, it's my people. Because I, I love talking about this this nerdy fitness stuff mm. and it's just a strength world and you get people to introduce them to that then you um, have a few beers together it's it's a different thing altogether um and for me personally you know uh my family's quite small i've never been part of a community apart from this one i am now and it's a really important part of my life it's a really big sector mm. for my split so mm. um it's important for the, the it works like for the business because people enjoy those times and it keeps them coming yeah um but i really get a good kick out of it too it's, yeah. it's important to kind of um check in with my my mental health this sort of thing that sort of that sector of community is kind of ticks for me yeah were you social like were you you know um like outgoing or social that kind of stuff before you created valkyrie or not, is not that really not really so yeah. that's been like a way for you to sort of step mm. into that and have something that you love yeah yeah i mean it's, it's i'm quite introverted in nature um somehow i can be this really extroverted person as well when i'm on the gym floor and it's a part of me that i really enjoy to express mm. um as much as i like my own space as well um but yeah it's just given me permission to kind of explore that a bit more um which has been really enjoyable just to kind of come out and, and, and talk a bit more about this myself and yeah. and share more and, and that sort of thing. And people want to listen to, they're, they're, they're engaged. Um, and we kind of very similar interests as well. Talk about your music in the band. 
Oh yeah, Vermin Bird. Shout out to Vermin Bird. Um, yeah, this has been a new thing. I mean, I've always been quite musical, um, but I didn't really have the guts to kind of start a band myself because I didn't think I was any good. Three, three, four months ago. Um, oh, is that new? Yeah, it's real new. Yeah. It's real new. But so uh, Sean, one of my coaches who owns Colin Cedar. Um, I know Sean. Yeah, you know Sean. Yeah. Shout out Sean. Shout out Sean. Sean Beans. Um, him, uh, Mitch, and Dylan—they're they're school friends. Yeah. And they used to play in a band together. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're a bit more mature. Uh, got a bit more cash as well to put in some gear. We kind of created this this project, which is Vermin Bird, and it's kind of like a, a clash with um, uh, like deaf tones, like these really wafty kind of uh, moody moody tones with uh, some really heavy music as well. Um, and it's been really fun to kind of work with those guys on a project that's similar to what we do at the gym, but completely different as well. Uh, another friend of mine, Ash, he created uh, Charge CrossFit in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. And he's got Charge the Band as well. Yeah, and cool. I always thought, because well, I've known Ash for years, and I always thought it was really cool, like the, how the, the the two, like there were two kind of worlds that were interrelated, not joined or anything, but he had the band and then he mm. had the gym. It was really cool. Yeah, another thing that kind of it's it's a it's been cool this lot this year in particular because we started the band, and um, recently in Dubbo, I went down the Dubbo Fringe and did my first uh, performance as a strongman with my partner Ali. So I'm connected to that kind of uh, circus world and mm-hmm. those communities as well through through Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool to get on stage and lift heavy things and bend bars and bend nails and that sort oh, of cool. thing. Yeah, so it was like a old school, old timey strongman act. Yeah. And I'm pressing Ali and this sort of thing. Yeah, cool. Um, because, you know, up until that point, me expressing my love for strength training has been through quite clinical workshops, talking like this in like a really um, straightforward way. Um, but that was really fun to kind of, to kind of do it. But like similar to what you're speaking, it's like these two worlds are close. Yeah. And they're connected somehow. Um, but yeah, and the band's the same way because we kind of bring that influence into the gym totally. in, in a way as totally. well. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about this on a call the other night with the group. And uh, I was just asking a question, you know, when you think about people that you love to interact with offline or online or mm. brands or whatever businesses, they, the ones I find anyway that you really find engaging, there's always an interest or a passion or something that they're not necessarily bringing it in full left, right and center, but you can see there's depth to the character and mm. you can see there's depth. And they're not afraid to talk about it and to mm. share it and to, you know, highlight it. And I find it's really interesting, even if I've got no interest mm. in their music or art or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, it's cool. They do art as well or they do music as well. Yeah, my friend Chris, he's in a band called Dancer and he's in the tech world. And he's very good at what he does. And he, he helped me build the website and kind of guide me up into the point that I met you. Um but it's the same sort of thing. Like his, his music is much different to ours. It's like pop and yeah, um, it, it's great. Like we saw them live the other day and they're awesome. I think he got signed recently as well. Oh, cool. So it's happening. It's like really happening for him, which is awesome because he's been in bands his whole life. Um, but it's the same sort of thing. Like I'll, I'll play my music to him and he's like, that's great. Like it sounds good. But I'm, I, can't, I have to stop now. <laughs> it's like it's a bit abrasive right now. Yeah. But yeah, having those kind of shared interests like that is, is really cool. Yeah. And he, he brings that world into how he goes about it. It was actually really interesting. So on the VSC, he pulled 190 on his deadlift. and he, he's VSC in, is Valkyrie. Uh, the Valkyrie Strength Challenge competition. Yeah, that's just when happened. It, yeah, was, we just had a, a powerlifting event, which is the deadlift. And he pulled 190 kilos. I think last year he pulled 160. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a legit lift. And yeah. he probably could have pulled 200 on the day. And yeah. that's nothing to sneeze at. Like that's... I can only pull 220. So it's like he's, he's catching up, right? Yeah. But he did this thing with his eyes. He closes his eyes and he kind of just moves his hands like this before he lifted every single time. And then I saw him uh, perform at the Cambridge. And when he was doing those really high notes, he's doing exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah. I like yeah, that. it was really cool. Yeah. And he's, he's just like really dialed in this performance um, mind space, this head, head space where he can go to 
when you need to do things that are challenging and require this focus. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to see the similarities be something really creative and um, that didn't really have boundaries and rules. Yeah. And then see something like powerlifting event where there are definite rules what you can and can't do mm. um, and you have to do a very specific thing. Um, but he's able to kind of transition and make mm. it work for him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. And it's also, there's that concept. His name's Austin Cleon. He's a writer and an artist. I always talk about him. But one of his lines was to be interesting, be interested. Mm. Like bring your world into your stuff. Mm. And <clears throat> don't worry if people don't like your art or whatever. It's the fact that you're bringing it mm. into it and it's so much more engaging than the clinical, like here's three ways to do a better press. Like you need that too, mm. but it's like, um, who's this character? What's the world like? What's the, what can I, what's the feeling I get from how they deliver and how everything mm. feels inside, you know, there's a certain energy yeah. that just kind of manifested and you kind of unlock it by kind of dipping into those passions. Yeah. I'm always interested when we have like third party um, presenters and coaches come and do workshops or I go traveling and I attend. I'm always interested in how these people are delivering the content because I, I um, work with Sean Carnes, who's the, he's a master of SFG for Strong First and he's got this really thick South African accent yeah. and he's probably like, he's probably like a foot taller than me. He's a massive dude. Mountain. Mountain of a man, right? And he's got this big beard. But he, the way he can command like 30 people the legitimate Do you coaches. tell stories? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Stories from South Africa. A you know, story like, from a mountain from South Africa. Yeah, you're just like, I'm in. Like, what do you have to say? I'm in. I'm so yeah. hooked. Yeah. Um, and like I base a lot of my coaching and how I deliver and the language I'm using, how I'm communicating with some of these really pros in the field as well. Yeah. Um, which is just an interesting thing to think about because really just teach people how to lift weights. But if you break it down, it's we're trying to... Um, really finesse how we communicate to people yeah, and to ideas. Totally. There's my friend um, Alex Salkin said he wants to get so good at coaching that he can just go, mm, mm, not have to say a word, just yeah. to his body language and how he's communicating the context he's created. Yeah. That was kind of a joke, but it, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, it's great practice. I found to go back and study, you know, the, uh, talk show, radio, mm. uh, comedy, yeah. like go back through the Seinfeld, go back, but not just like laughing in the jokes, looking at the, the way that they're sharing it, mm. the improv, mm. the, the, the way that the TV and radio personalities create engagement through polarization mm. and through pauses. And you can, you Which can learn such powerful stuff. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. And you can learn full, you can really, you know, you can really, and then practice that across a podcast. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you've got a business asset where you're mm. becoming a better speaker and communicator mm. and you're bringing value to the mm. audience. Like I think it's, it's amazing. Yeah, you can, you can double down and kind of put it where you want it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're such masters of speech and it's, it's a really, um, cause I, I'm, I used to mumble a lot and I still do. I think when I finish a big day at work, I'll come home and I'll talk to Ali and she's like, what did you say? Because yeah. I've just kind of switched that off a little bit. Yeah. Um, but for, for me, it's been really, um, really cool to be able to like, command a room and, and, and be that person, center of attention, that sort of thing, and, mm. and feel really comfortable there as well. Because mm. it's something that up until that point, I was petrified of, you know. Um, but yeah, when you see the masters do it, it's just like, wow. And yeah. especially you have some context for what you're looking for. Yeah. You're like, wow, it's pretty, pr pretty impressive. Yeah. So what's next for Valkyrie? What's coming up for you guys? What's next? Um, we are taking some new coaches on, uh, which is going to be awesome because we've got more space for me to kind of grow the business in each direction, every direction, I guess. Um, we're thinking about doing something like this, like a podcast. Yeah, I think you guys should do a podcast. Yeah, that'd be fun. I say that to everyone, but it's really for you guys because the world's already there. Yeah. And it's such a great platform. I don't think people realize the value in the world building aspect of the podcast. Mm. They often see them as transactional and then go, well, in 10 episodes, I didn't get more sales or something, mm. but it's like, no, no, no. It's 
it's it's world building it's mm. relationships it's totally different yeah and I, you know so many interesting people at the gym as well there's yeah. some, some hours of conversation that i've been interested in like opening up as well yeah recently just changed my office so it's like a studio as well to practice um with the similar sort of setup we have here um for the band you mean yeah yeah i've got yeah. this cool thing it's like it's got this um like audio interface you plug your bass straight into that and then you download a plug-in for like hundred dollars that sort of thing it makes you sound like the best bass players in the world yeah nice yeah it's cool it's, it's amazing right so that's set up now and then it'll be this matter of getting some mics and we can start recording and, and going from there yeah um but yeah that's that's probably an, a, a cool thing that i probably want to action pretty soon we're yeah. um rebranding inside so finally getting around to painting the gym yeah i think for a while i was thinking about moving out you know and getting a bigger space yeah and that prevented me from actioning a lot of things yeah it was like it's all temporary but now i've come around to like even if it is we can just go full ham yeah you're getting rather than you're getting too big for your space mm. by building the world out building the business and then gonna move mm. to the space if need be mm. yeah i like that um because it also helps you to see new opportunities like how can how because you can you can really expand inside a given footprint mm. once you start to get creative mm. you know yeah and having that extra person on the team will allow me to kind of because a lot of my brain functions like when i'm not actually working and coaching i kind of just admin stuff and just filling up yeah and um you know not getting enough sleep as i need to to be creative to have the energy to kind of propel those things forward yeah so I'm noticing some friction points in the gym and little things and bits and pieces. And since I've set my office and functuated, it, I'm like, this feels amazing. Yeah. I'm going to do this with every part of the business and, awesome. and systemize everything and just get everything like automated. Mm. Yeah. And then when you coach, the mind that you're bringing into the mm. coaching is able to deliver more value. Mm. That's the cool thing. It, you know, it's what the hustle culture kind of, misses i think yeah. a little bit it's like yes there's times you got to do that but if you are back to back every single day and you never take a break or you can't because you set the business up where you're addicted to the stress then all of a sudden you're asking a mind to say innovate mm. or coach or do something that's really high like uh, high, high function yeah, yeah high level and it just isn't there mm. it needs a break you know yeah it needs a bit of a breather yeah just like a nice wine you just gotta let it let it kind of yeah. simmer out a little bit yeah okay cool is there anything else that you want to share coming up seminars or education or anything like that um we got some strong first things coming up um one What's thing strong I'm, first strong first for people i know is um considered to be uh, the gold standard of kettlebell training this particular certification so is this kind of like threaded through all of what you do is strong first? yeah i mean their curriculum and how they coach is so solid yeah and it creates an awesome framework so we require all our coaches to go and do that um, and it's pretty tough. Like the the level of training you need, the fitness you need to actually pass the certification is quite high. That's so good though. It's awesome because you yeah. get that walk the walk, talk the talk. Yeah. And if I recognize someone who's done it, you know, like we're on the same page. Yeah. We know we know what the deal is because it, so it covers all the bases of things we actually teach, and we borrow a curriculum with other systems to implement to the gym as well. Mm -hmm. And because we bring people up through that, we've got eight members in the desk squad that I was talking about before that are like, I want to do that whether or not they want to do any coaching because it is a personal sort of growth yeah. moment. And yeah. People are like, I want the challenge. I think um, uh, one of my girls, Alicia, she's a, is a mother of two. And I was like, why, why, are, you, why are you doing this? Like, what's, why is it important to you? She's like, it's my time now. You know, she's had the kids. She's done the thing. She's, it's my time to go. And I felt it was really powerful just mm -hmm. to, like, to do that. Do it for her. Yeah, do it for, do it for you, you know. Um, so that's happening in October. So we're really gearing up for that. Um, other than that you know we've got our beginner workshops we run once a month uh, for anyone looking to do some kettlebell training learn the basics you do those every month yeah yeah cool and they're open to outside yeah absolutely yeah. Um, it's a it's a great way to kind of familiarize yourself with the essentials so once you've done the workshop you should have the tools to practice and get better on your own yeah you know it's one thing that's important to us is that we can create some autonomy with our members that they feel personally responsible now to go and do their own fitness and get their own rather than being dependent on us mm -hmm. um, so that's a it's an entry-level uh, workshop if you use kettlebells you'll do better 
learn how to learn how to move better yeah um so we're running that um the date's not out just yet but we will be very soon okay cool yeah anything else when's the band playing next um we, we've got like four and a half songs now and okay. we want five yeah and then we'll record them and then uh be on spotify i'll put that everywhere cool when where will you record I don't know. I'll talk to Dylan. He's the kind of, yeah. he's the brains. Yeah. I just play the bass. Yeah. Um, make jokes. And I think towards the end of the year we'll probably get a gig. That's the kind of timeline for for the band. Yeah. But um yeah, it's been that's been really fun. Awesome. Well thank you for sharing your story and That's okay, thanks for having me. It's great. Yeah, it's good to hear more about Valkyrie. I gotta come and get a, get in there for a session. Yeah, you gotta come down. Some, maybe I'll come in for the kettlebell yeah that's because to be honest kettlebell is one thing i just don't like you know besides the basics just yeah. have never gone deep in it and i know there's some value in that mm, like the workshop it's what we call like that the inch wide mile deep sort of approach yeah so we go through two skills and you're yeah. like only two skills we've like an hour and a half of an inch yeah and you go wow i didn't realize there's yeah. so much to this one thing um it'll just it'll blow your mind yeah we'd love to have you It'd be awesome cool all right man well thanks hugo and i'll put your uh well where do people find you um they can find us on instagram i think that's our main thing we kind of spend a lot of time on so it's uh, valkyrie newcastle um or if you just search valkyrie gym that should come up as well um and on facebook it's valkyrie gym uh website valkyriegym.com any thing you would say to someone listening i was just thinking if someone's listening and they're a coach in a gym or under someone and maybe in the future they're thinking like i'd love to open a gym or i'd love to do something on my own even a different kind of business because i know you've got exposure to other businesses anything you'd share final words or tips um i think um you know one no nobody's gonna do it except for you so you really have to trust yourself and just stick to your guns and you know anyone that's got an idea worth sharing it's probably worth doing and if you can just go, yep, this is what I'm doing, a thousand percent. Like we get, I used to talk to PTs all the time, and they're working two jobs. So they're doing the PT business, trying to grow that, and they were like doing something else. I was like, you need to quit that other job now, and you need to feel the heat of, you know, you got to make the money, this sort of thing, or else it's never going to go anywhere. Mm. You know, so just kind of jettisoning that, that sort of that and going for it. You know, and you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Because the worst thing would be you turn around and be like, I wish I did that. You know, I know. Just a bit of courage, I think. Yeah. bit of courage. Yeah, it takes self-belief. courage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. bit of self-belief. Yeah. I, I heard a great line from a guy's name's Dan Sullivan. And it was, I'll get it wrong, but it was basically saying the moment we think we can live a life of safety with no courage is the moment we start to die. Mm. And his view is like like the concept of, old age and dying and slowing down was literally just once you go oh i'm okay i can i can stop being courageous here i'm comfortable i'm comfortable yeah, yeah then we're done. Added, i'm done yeah yeah and once you do that you um you start to slow down hmm. which i liked that it's like courage doesn't feel good uh and that's the point that's why it's so high value yeah i think that's like the other side of that is if, if that's that's also okay if you want to slow down too yeah but you got to be one or the other, right? You yeah. can't, can't be doing both. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll put the sh- your your links and stuff in the show notes. If you listen to this episode, make sure to check out Valkyrie on their Instagram. Hugo's doing more world building and cool content. And also share this episode with a friend if you found it valuable. That's the most helpful thing you can do for us and subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you on the next episode thanks man thanks for having me